This episode is brought to you by Nightmare House by Douglas Clegg. In Harrow House, no one rests in peace. Returning to claim an inheritance, Ethan Gravesend inadvertently unlocks the long-buried secrets of a sinister mansion, and his dark discoveries are only the beginning. Perfect for fans of The Haunting of Hill House, Nightmare House and Mischief are the first books in the chilling gothic horror Harrow series from the New York Times bestselling novelist Douglas Clegg and read by award-winning narrator Gary Teeterman. Nightmare House and Mischief are now available from Orange Sky Audio wherever audiobooks are sold. The purpose of my survival was to bear witness, to carry the tale, the thrill of spreading terror, of lurking in the night as bogeymen of legend titillates them. They are beasts, horrid, undreamt of marvels. Laird Baron, the beautiful thing that awaits us all. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. Today, I'm joined by author Haley Piper to discuss single author short story collections. So welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. Hey, we're happy to have you. I say we, it's me. I do this all the time. <laughs> I am Legion. I am many. Uh, so a lot of exciting stuff's been going on with you this year. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's uh it's been uh, overwhelming a little bit, but um yeah, yeah. So uh, today, the day we are recording, the Bram Stoker Award nominations have been like the final ballot is out, and like two anthologies with your stories have been nominated. Yes, um, Worst Laid Plans, edited by uh, Samantha Koyesnik that came out from Grindhouse Press, has my story, Unkindly Girls, and Not All Monsters, edited by, um, you know, Stoker winner Sarah Tantlinger, has, um, that came out from Rooster Republic and Strange House Books, has my story, uh, Without a Face. That's exciting. And then there's the adaptation, hopefully, like, fundraising effort for Worst Laid Plans. Yeah, um, as of us recording it, it's past 90%. Um, so I'm pretty, yes, so um, and Unkindly Girls will be adapted into that. Well, that's awesome. So is it, uh, did they pick like a few stories to adapt for the effort? Um, each, there are five directors and each director picked um, a story that they wanted yeah. to adapt. Oh, that is so exciting. That was a really fun collection. It's uh, for listeners who are not aware. I think the prompts were like vacation horror. Yeah, it's uh, the full title is Worst Laid Plans, an anthology of vacation horror. And it's like people going on road trips or to the beach or um, to even to like a sort of Disneyland-ish resort type of place and all the terrible things that you don't think about that could happen with that and that maybe we were all better off at home in 2020 i was gonna say it's not like much of us got to do a lot of that this year so maybe we were saved <laughs> and then you have two big projects coming out this year yes so my 
first short story collection, Unfortunate Elements of My Anatomy, will be coming out on May 7th from the 7th Terrace. And then um, my first novel, Queen of Teeth, will be coming out from Rooster Republic and Strange House Books in um, hardcover this summer and in paperback uh, late this year, like November, I think. That is awesome. Can you talk about Queen of Teeth at all? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, It's a body horror novel. Um, uh, The main character, Yolanda Betancourt, uh, goes by Yaya, finds a growth inside her, and... um, Things escalate from there as it kind of keeps changing and this company that kind of causes condition with her is like after her because they want to know what the hell's going on with her and if they can profit from it. And it just keeps things just keep getting worse and worse from there. It's also kind of a love story and a lot of other things. It just it things just completely go out of control. Well, it sounds really good. I think when I was reading the description, uh, it said like Cronenbergian body horror, and I was yes. in. I'm like, okay, it, yeah, it's it's yeah, it definitely goes in that kind of direction. So today we are talking about short story collections. So why did you pick this topic? What do you enjoy about this format? Well. Contrasting, I guess, to anthologies where like one of the fun things with anthologies is to see all the varieties of on a theme and to also get to kind of like see, you know, discover new authors. But with a with a single author short story collection, a lot of times when you pick it up, it's usually somebody you've at least probably read something from before. And it's nice to see all the different directions they can go in with all these different little stories um, as opposed to like you know, you read a book and then you wait a long time and you maybe, and you read another book from that person, but it's like, you know, if the short story collection, it's going to be all kinds of things, all kinds of ideas, like experimentation. Um, it's the, you know, it's, it's usually just so many different experiences. So that's one of the things I like, but, but it's all from the same person. So you really get to see the breadth of what they do. I agree. And I have to ask, as an author who's releasing a short story collection, is there a science to the order that the stories go in or like deciding what to put in the story? Like, do you usually try to keep at least some kind of a theme holding them together? Or like, what's your thought process on that? I think it's a little bit of a science and a little bit of an art. And I I'll, took some some advice from listening to Ellen Datlow talk about anthologies because a lot of the um, process behind that, I think also applies to single author collections. You want to really think hard about like what the first story is going to be, how you're bringing people into it. And you really want to think hard about what the last story is, the way you want to leave the reader. And I think other stuff can get mixed around as you go, but there are some stories that feel like they are connected just because of like, the feeling of the end of one might flow into the feeling of the next, or there may be like, you know, something like one has a a relationship subplot or or something like you, I don't know, you um, can do all kinds of things. Or sometimes you want contrast and that might not be the smartest thing in the world. I don't know. But like, you know, the second story in unfortunate elements is very, very dark and it ends very, very dark. And then the third one is more of a dark humor story. So it lightens we'll things see. up a bit. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I was just like, okay, that went as bad as things can possibly go, in my opinion. So maybe let's like pull back from this a little bit. 
that was that's my thinking at least i i i mean i you know we'll see how few people feel as far as things go um and then length i didn't want to have too many stories that were of the same length together because there was a lot there's a bit there's a bit of flash fiction there's like six i think flash fiction stories in uh unfortunate elements of my anatomy and i didn't want to cluster them and i didn't want to cluster all the big stories together either yeah i could see how as a reader you're like Okay. <laughs> Another big story. So yeah, it's good. So you're emotionally giving the reader some levity and also with the length, kind of as a good measuring the reading experience. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important. There's also kind of an argument about do you put the longest story in the center or at the end? I think people can go either way. I did I put it at the end um, because it had the feeling I wanted to leave the reader with, but I've seen I've seen collections where they leave it at the end and people will be like, yeah, I'm at this. I just finished the second to last story. And then you kind of wait a while to, to read like the novelette or novella at the end. Whereas other people, you know, they put it in the center and, you know, mm-hmm. they might just, they might be more prone to go through it or, but I think it's nice to leave people on a big story. I can see that. Yeah. Cause you're immersing yourself in the world for a longer period of time. Yeah, I mean, it could go all kinds of ways. I mean, you've got like collections like Bones by Andrew Call, where it's just like, it's just four big stories. The collection I just read that I'm talking about, the the like long story, titular story was right in the middle. Yeah. Um. Are you talking about Children of the Fang? Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is, that's my favorite story in, in that collection. Ooh. So are you, I know... Um... <laughs> The Worm and His Kings is cosmic. Yes, horror. it's yeah, it's cosmic horror. So, do you have a, a background in like Lovecraftian or like what's your history with cosmic horror? Because that's a huge blind spot for me as a horror reader. <laughs> oh, um, I have a complicated history with it because I got this. My wife bought me an anthology called Mountain Walked, and that was really mm-hmm. like aside from reading Stephen King's It, like which I think was really my first brush with cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really the big one because it had just a bunch of stories like Ramsey Campbell and Neil Gaiman and Caitlin Kiernan. Um, there's just a bunch of neat stories in there. So it's like, oh, I should try to read Lovecraft. And um, that didn't go so hot. <laughs> um, didn't care okay. for it much. Um, I'm so then, glad you but, said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for many reasons. But like, but, you know, beyond that, in any case, there's so many people doing fascinating uh, cosmic horror. John Langan, you know, does that, um, like we just mentioned. Laird Barron, Caitlin Kiernan, Brian Hodge. I mean, and there's all people like, doing all kinds of it. It's it's really, I enjoy reading them because there's such a breadth of imagination. There's so many interesting, perplexing directions you can go in. And I, mean, I want to say, I mean, it can be limitless depending on what you're willing to conceptually punch through. Yeah, I can see that. I guess sometimes I think I feel a little like reader guilt that I have tried to get into Lovecraft. I've tried reading his stories. And I mean, beyond his problematicness, like as an author, I just like could not get into his stories. I've like tried so many ones and I'm like, I cannot. My eyelids are drooping. <laughs> I I feel you. I am. Um, no, I am. Um, I'm also of that. I mean, I've read. I I. I finished stories. I just um, didn't feel like my time was maybe well spent, but I was like, well, I tried. And, and I don't think you should feel guilty because you tried. 
<laughs> and like yeah. Caitlin Kiernan, Caitlin Kiernan has an entire collection that is just like mythos stories. So it's all the same stuff that Lovecraft was working with, like directly off of his stories. But it's, in my opinion, much better. It's uh, Houses Under the Sea. Okay. I'll have to check that out. I just bought her Best Of, like, short story collection. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. Um, they have so many, so many short stories. Um, and they kind of get, like, mixed around between different collections. Like, I was, every time I'm looking at a new one, I have to glance back at my, the ones I already have and be like, okay, how many of these stories are appearing in both? Yeah, and at least um, with Children of the Fang, I mean, we'll talk more when we get to it. In the back, he does talk about, you know, which mythos he was playing with and the, you know, inspiration kind of behind every story. So that was interesting. Oh, I didn't look at the back. Oh, I should have looked at the back. So as a reader, what kind of stories like stand out to you in collections? Like, what do you gravitate toward? Mm. That is a great question. Um, Do you mean like, I mean, I probably the weird ones. In a lot of cases, like if it's very strange, I don't even know if that's true. I mean, with with stuff like Children of the Fang, for example, I found I really love horror journeys, and not like a physical journey necessarily, but it feels like there was something huge happening here, even if you don't really see it. Um, so those I like. I like ones where, I mean, I, everybody says this. Like I like ones that have a strong character voice. It's like ones that go in new directions. I like ones that don't do what I expect, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess I don't have a type. I just, I'm just like, yeah, I like what I like with the short stories. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't ever know what to expect. That's what's so great about them to me, though. It's like you can't read the back of the book and know necessarily what you're getting into. That's true, because it's usually just a few sentences, like describing like two or three stories. And it's like, well, the rest is <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> There's some like, well, there's some of this and some of this and some of this. And it's like, you don't know which stories have them. And guess you're going to have to find out. I did have a question from a Patreon supporter. Okay. And Danielle wants to know the origin of Benny Rose. Like in the story or conceptually for the book? I'm thinking probably conceptually. Okay. Let's see. I had... um. I thought of a neighborhood that had a secret and I didn't exactly know what I was doing with that part yet because I was like, there's, I, I had the first image of it was there was a girl in her grandmother's house and there was a monster trying to get her. And it took me a while to figure out that monster's face. I had different conflicting rules that were coming up for the monster. I had, um, at some point I just had to be like, okay, these things are not all working what do I do about that? And um, the thing is, I had the backstory. I just didn't know how to make it click. And finally, it was just like, he's all of these things. He's he's all of the stories that the kids in this town tell. And so the mythos of him grew beyond just this neighborhood and into a whole town that was just like stuck on this urban legend about this guy who, like, they thought, like, you know, She's like, well, he killed people this way. He killed people. Like, oh, he only came after children. No, he ate children. He ate just their meat. No, he ate everything. And just everybody's got a different version. Um, then, I mean, and I, I said like last uh, last year I was being interviewed about Benny Rose and I was just like, man, maybe it's maybe it was a cheat to just kind of make it so that it was like all these things that I couldn't decide. Um, 
beyond just what they find out he actually is during the story. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like how, I, how that worked out. It gave the kids a lot to work with in the story. It um, gave the town character, in my opinion. So I just wanted to, I, I don't know, it, it's so much about ur- urban legends and no two people tell the same one the same way. I agree. And that seems very true to form for just urban legends in general and the way that, you know, we play telephone with these stories and details get distorted. And (laughs) I hope that answered her question the way she wanted. (laughs) I am sure. Okay, well, are we ready to talk about some short story collections? Sure. All right. So the first book I want to talk about is Things We Lost in the Fire by Mariana Enriquez. My copy was translated by Megan McDowell. And I really liked this collection. I read it a few years after it was out, after like multiple people that came on the podcast told me that I should read it. Um, And they kept saying that it was like Shirley Jackson-esque. And I bought it and read it and just absolutely loved it like a five-star collection and it does have this like kind of slight eerie like unexplained horror in a lot of these stories and you can take it at that but then like you know you can also look into the dirty wars in Argentina and that can also give you a new lens to like read these stories and get like a totally different context out of them. Like, I mean, there's a story about um, a, it's Adela's house and it's this story about this young girl who's jealous of the friendship between her brother and her neighbor. And the three of them become obsessed with this abandoned house. And when they check it out, it's full of these horrific things. And the neighbor girl is never seen again, which, you know, is a horror story on its own. But then looking at it through the fact that, you know, during that tumultuous period, a lot of people were, they disappeared, you know, the government disappeared them. So there's just like a whole other, like level to these stories. There's a, the collection opens up with a a story that I just thought about for days. It's called The Dirty Kid. And you follow this, well, it's through the eyes of this unnamed narrator. She's living in a mansion. Um, And she sees like a young pregnant addict and a kid beside her who she assumes is the woman's son. And she befriends the son and buys him ice cream um, and just kind of goes about her day. And then she hears on the news that a boy that age has been murdered. And she's kind of um, like frantically trying to figure out if it was the same boy that she saw. And, you know, kind of through the story, you see that she's very much dealing with a lot of guilt, just like a lot of different levels of guilt and the difference in their situations and kind of like whether she could have done more. Um, and then the titular story, Things We Lost in the Fire, is just kind of about this epidemic. But it just has this quote that I love. Burnings are the work of men. They have always burned us. Now we are burning ourselves, but we're not going to die. We're going to flaunt our scars. That's beautiful. Have you read this one? No, I haven't. But now I want to. <laughs> okay. I was a few years late on it. And like now she's released another collection that I have to... <laughs> catch up on hopefully not years from now I think it's called like the dangers of smoking in bed or the dangers of smoking cigarettes in bed I should probably have known that it's one of those two one of those two is the right title <laughs> but that is uh, things we lost in the fire by Mariana Enriquez um so sing your sadness deep is Laura Mauro's first short story collection and I think today actually is the British fantasy awards 
So it's it's nominated. I know that. Um, and it's uh, the novella at the end is nominated, too. So fingers crossed. Sometimes a collection is just like, wow, these were all really good stories. There may not be like a tenuous thing, but I think the, the title does say it's like, you know, sing your sadness deep. Like they all feel like this heaviness. And I wouldn't I wouldn't even call them like depressing necessarily, but there is just this sense of tragedy or stepping along the edge of tragedy or decay. Uh, the the first story, Sun Dogs, it's it's such an interesting story. It's about a prepper. Um, you know, she she kind of like stores up goods and things and she stays off the grid and such. There's still these people bothering her. She she gets stopped in the road by these people who are looking for someone. When she gets back into her car, she finds another woman hiding in the back seat and um, takes her home. And it kind of develops into like this caretaker role in relationship, but she realizes something else is going on with this woman. Uh, there's there's something different about her. And it it's just, it's a beautiful story. It's probably the most optimistic story in the book. Everything's wow. kind of downhill from there. There are other ones that I, I love, like Letters from Elodie, um, which is very much about like this, this woman who, this, who just misses this other woman so much. And she was just such an interesting person, but she was very um, erratic and unpredictable and very free spirited. And it just made it difficult for them, for her to let go. Um, When, when Charlie sleeps is one of my favorites because it's so I'm, I'm, I feel like if I was from like the UK like Laura Morrow, they're from the UK. And it's just like, I feel like there's probably some angle to this story that I'm, or layer to this story that I'm missing as an American. But like this one moves, like she has to move into this tenement where these, there's these other women living. And there's also this thing living in the tub there uh, that they call Charlie. And um, it's, it's very strange and it seems like it's well-being is tied to uh, the city itself, but there's just a lot of tension and feeling trapped. Like, cause it's not like, it's not like Charlie is a monster coming to get them. The monster is just the city and the poverty and such. Um, and that's really the feel of the collection to me. It's just like, there's a lot of just this pressure I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, that that's that's something to look for. If you feel like being kind of like, oh, I don't feel like feeling good today. Um, <laughs> but you want to see like something really imaginative and interesting. I know a lot of people's favorite story from that collection is um, looking for Laika, which is just this really heartbreaking story um, about the uh, Russian dog that was sent into space. But yeah, that's Sing Your Sadness Deep by Laura Morrow. Right. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. For when I don't feel like being happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next book I'm going to talk about is the one we discussed earlier, Children of the Fang and Other Genealogies by John Langan. And as the Stoker Award nominations have been announced, this was on it for a short story collection. Yeah. So I'm timely for once. <laughs> so as I was talking about, the one I loved the inclusion of the story notes in the back. I know there's a few short story collections I've read that have them, that have like the stories listed in the back and kind of the, you know, what prompted them to write it if it was, you know, submitting to an anthology or if it was like an idea they had. Like, I always find that really interesting. Um, So he had that, but he also had 
like who inspired the story so like some stories were inspired by david lynch like a lot of stories were inspired by lovecraft and play with like lovecraftian mythos which is like one of those things that's like is that like a layer i needed to enjoy the story but i don't necessarily like think so but it is explaining i guess the the origin of the mythos because the children of the fang like that's a lovecraftian like reptile mythos of some kind i don't know i think i think you can enjoy it without knowing that necessarily yeah i mean i sure did i didn't look at i didn't know there were story notes i didn't look so so that was just like a fun thing to learn about uh a lot of these there was a lot of variety i will say a lot of these were cosmic and weird and a lot of them there are those stories that I'm like, I really enjoyed them. If you ask me what they mean, I don't know that I'm as confident in my answer. <laughs> I very much enjoyed it. I don't know if I could like teach a class on this. So the opening story I really enjoyed. It's called Sweetums and it's about an actress who needs work and she accepts a job working with an unorthodox director who's, you know, very well known, uh, but is also very well known for being, you know, kind of strange in the way he directs and makes movies and so when she pulls up to set which is in this very out of the way place and it's just strange from the get-go he basically tells her that she just needs to walk around and react to what is happening and that there is no script so I think just immediately you're put into this story of just this like woman wandering around and trying to figure out like what is happening and you know partially trying to stay in character but also is like not sure what is going on what is planned like what has she stumbled into and it has like like disorienting quality that i really enjoyed another story i really liked is vista which i thought was really interesting in this 2020 virtual schooling something that i love about short stories is stories that play with different formats or like get kind of experimental in like their setups and so this is set up like a virtual class that someone is taking at a community college in necrolinguistics. And so it's like the student, he's logging in, and there's these prompts that he's supposed to answer. And they start off like pretty innocent, like, what is your name? And he get, he goes kind of off the rails, like, oh, do you mean like you just want my answer? Or do you want like a whole philosophical, like what's in a name, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he kind of goes off on these. But the questions keep getting stranger. And I, he you start to notice that he becomes a little more unnerved in his answers. Like, what do you what do you mean by that? And it just gets stranger and stranger. And then things start happening in the classroom that he can see. And it's just like an odd experience. And it gets like more sinister. I just really liked that just as a whole concept. And I thought it was done really well. Um, and I also loved Into the Darkness Fearlessly. There was a lot of stories I liked. I had a, I had a hard time picking like three because this this has like 25, 25 stories yeah <laughs> so it's hard to like big collections he, he does, does. So it was, it was really, really hard, hard to just pick uh three so into the, the darkness fearlessly is about um an agent and one of his writers has just died and he's received a man like the writer's last manuscript like he goes to the funeral and sees the writer's ex-wife and is like thanking her for sending the manuscript or like, you know, asking her about it because it seemed odd. And she's like, I didn't send you anything. It's just like, ooh. <laughs> and of course, things get darker from there. Again, it's a short story. I don't want to get too much into what happens. And like that is just three. Three, that is like not even a 
a big chunk of the stories that are in this collection. Uh, so I definitely recommend it. And definitely check out John Langan just as an author if you haven't already. But that is Children of the Fang and Other Genealogies. Yes, I second that recommendation. <laughs> um, it, she Said Destroy is um, Nadia Bulkin's uh, short story collection. It is freaking fantastic. Um, just just from the title, I, I adore the title so much. It's, it's hard to classify... Nadia Bulkin's work, um, not because it's like so different from each other. I, I do think there is a uh, connecting tissue, but like the best I can think to call it sometimes is political horror. It's, it's, it's so much about, or societal horror maybe, but it's just, it's, it's so unique. I, I don't, I don't think I've read anybody else who quite has the outlook that she does. Um, the, the first story in the collection is Intertropical Convergence Zone, and it is essentially about um, kind of almost what feels like a metaphor like or metaphorical, but it's taken literally like there's um, kind of a shaman who tell like the, the it's told from the point of view of a, of a military officer and their country is dealing with um possibly a coup attempt from the general and they want the general to 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 win against the president and the shaman is like okay he has to eat a bullet that has been uh you know shot in like from a person who dies a particular way and he eats that bullet and he'll like get get become a better general he gets stronger um he has to like be they, and they start feeding him different things that will make him like immortal or um make him live longer or or um all these different things. And um, it just kind of gets more like just more and more demands of the narrator as the shaman seems to deteriorate while the general seems to get, um, get, get all that he wants, but it's just like, okay, now what? Okay, now what? And it's just this constant pressure to just make this political dream come true for the country. Um, yeah. And it gets, it gets pretty dark. Um, another story I, I I really loved every story in this collection. It's it was very hard to pick three, even though there there were only so many stories. But um, Pug- I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this cor- correctly, but Pugilbone is about um, kind of a, a societal caste that lives underground in cities in in these places called warrens or they used to is it's kind of the backstory for the main characters uh situation because they're seen as like kind of backwards or unfit or stuff and they would or they kind of wanted to form their own like off the grid thing but in an urban way and just just living within the cities and um some creature um starts killing people underground and they have to um it's it's kind of told back and forth between the main character's childhood when she was like when the pugil bone things were first being uh discovered and like her current situation where she's still seeing them above ground even though the the government says like no no when we got you people out they were you know we made them extinct um so it's just not being listened to and not being trusted and not getting to live her own life or have control or see her child. Um, and then to 
kind of go back to the Lovecraft stuff, um, there's a story called Truth is Order and Order is Truth. Um, and this is also in the Black Cranes anthology that was just nominated for a Stoker today. Um, so just kind of, it was funny because we didn't plan it this way. Um, you know, we just kind of happened to choose things that were up for awards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's about, uh, it's about a, uh, kind of a, an overthrown government and this o- overthrown priestess. Um, her, the child of, of the priestess is trying to kind of move her people, the, the loyal people to this faraway village. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this right. Jun- Junkeno, Junkano. Um, to get away from the the prime minister who wants to kill them. And when they get there, they discover that there is this, um, it it has relations to like the shadow over Innsmouth or the Cthulhu mythos um, is what they discover when they reach their, their destination. And it goes on. Like it, it is very expansive. It's it like, you know, the, the initial situation is compelling, but it just keeps going and going through what happens afterward it's it's very um kind of an epic story even though it's very short um so yeah I, honestly i could like every story in this collection is amazing um but it's just they're very intelligent very cerebral stories about societal stuff and just like nobody nobody looks at things like like nadia Bolkin does so everyone should read uh she said destroy that's another one that's on my physical shelf that I need to read. Um, I know I've read one of her stories. I think it's the Final Girl themed one that was in the Fright into Flight anthology a few years ago. All right. So the last book I am talking about is The Beautiful Thing That Awaits Us All by Laird Barron. And he's an author I've been wanting to check out his short stories for a long time. So I'm glad that I finally did it this year. And also, fun fact, all of these stories take place in Washington. So I know a lot of people are doing the 50 books in 50 states challenge. So if you are looking for a short story collection that takes place in Washington, it's a good one. Um, All these stories have like a very supernatural, somewhat like Lovecraftian cosmic flair that I really enjoyed in this. Uh, So the, the collection opens up with Backwoods Baby. Uh, which is a story about big game hunters that are invited to a private residence to try to bag a legendary book called Backwoods Baby. And there's all this legend about it and uh, just what it looks like and the enormity of it. But the hunters become the hunted. And then it goes in just a direction that I just was not expecting. (laughs) As this is the case for a lot of these. The story that follows it up, um, Redfield Girls, I also really enjoyed. I will say it's the it's a the very different story, I think, to the rest of the collection. I think it's a more of a tamer ghost story, and that follows a group of women um, teachers who always take an annual vacation together. And this year, one of their young nieces joins them and they they get a cabin up at a lake and they talk about a, a local urban legend ghost story in the cabin about people being murdered you know, in that lake and that that lake is haunted. Um, and then, of course, like all the other things, it takes a, a direction 
uh, I really liked the story. I loved the the way that the women all related to each other. I liked the like ghost story aspect and I really loved the like little supernatural way that this thing goes. Um, I also really liked uh, the carrion gods in their heaven. I just love all these like titles. So this is about a woman fleeing an abusive husband, and she moves in with her girlfriend. They're in kind of a remote cabin trying to get away from him, and her girlfriend is willing to take care of her and protect her, basically at all costs. And it's just, it's a really good story. So I don't want to give you honestly any more than that. That's all you need to know, just going in there. It's one of the shorter ones in that collection. Yeah, so it's like I, yeah, it's like you can't go very far without like starting to spoil things. And then there's the men from Porlock, and this is set in 1923, and it follows a group of loggers who come upon a village stuck in the past after they see a weird symbol on a tree, and just things go down. <laughs> it's it's such a creepy story because it's very it's one of like Laird Baron does some longer stories, and like. I had no idea where it was going and it was just creepy as like this, even before they find the villages, like, and just the sun is setting and, you know, they, they split off the different loggers to go do this, that, and the other thing. And you just know, you just know some of them aren't coming back. And then it's yeah. just like, Oh hell no. Everybody has to go look for them. Yes. Like you just know. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has that. And then, uh, he does such a good job of building the characters in all these stories. And especially like in this one, there was the camaraderie with all the men and like, you know, this man had this, this man had this. And you just kind of like get a feeling for everyone. So it just like hurts you even more. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> I enjoyed that one because like a lot of a lot of the characters in some of the stories are like, um, I forget the title of one of the s- stories in the middle, but it's like, you know, very gangster stuff. And um, yeah. Like cutthroats, and this was just some guys trying to to do their job, and so I just I really felt bad for them. Yeah, because there's a lot of stories where it's yeah there is the, um, like a hard boiled angle. Yeah, like he mixes crime into horror very well. Um, mm-hmm. like there's a lot there's a few stories like that in his I think his collection before that one the um the Imago sequence. I haven't read that one. Um, yeah, he also has a obsessed with that collection. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to pick it up. It's it's going on the TBR now. Uh, yeah, this was another one where I had a hard time even choosing the ones to talk about. Yeah, I already like went over. See, um, picking, but uh, and then I I couldn't even remember which story the title comes from. Like the the beautiful thing that awaits us all. I think it was the one where um, there's supposed to be like an S like going to this party with which people. Was it that one? Yes. yes or, that's it. Okay. Cause the, cause the audio book, the audio book doesn't tell you it calls it something else. I think like, I, cause I had the audio book too. And yes. I think it, I think there's a glitch on the audio book where it doesn't tell you the title of that still one of the stories. Um, and I think it's that, that be... I think it's the one that has that title. The final story in that collection, I, I forget the title of the last story. I think it's into the just just in the dark or darker still or something like that. I'll have, I'll have to, to look, look it up. up. 
Okay. Whatever the final story is, is very, um, a little meta mm-hmm. um, is, yeah. because he is the John in that story is John Langan. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm misinterpreting this, but I believe the narrator is Laird Barron. Um, and there's just, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because like the, the agent um, from into the dark fearlessly from children of the Fang, that stuff is mentioned in uh, the final story in the beautiful thing that awaits us all. Um, it's uh, like the, the backstory about, um, the woman he was that the that the writer was stalking, it comes up in that same story. Like both of those stories tell that backstory about some writer. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and it's more dark. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, both funny. of those have that situation happening in them. Um, it's just kind of funny. Oh, that is funny. I'm gonna have to revisit it now with that and try to see the similarities. Um, that is funny. And then in the Children of the Fang, there was the Stephen Graham Jones muse story too. Yeah. That was, that, <laughs> I was laughing so hard when I read that story. Where he's, oh my god, that was that was. I, I know it, and it was spooky too. But it was, I couldn't help but laughing just because it was just, just the, the idea is like, yeah, my friend gets haunted by this thing, and then he showed it to me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that they are all each other's muses and they all show up in each other's works. Definitely. <laughs> anyway, so that is The Beautiful Thing That Awaits Us All by Laird Barron. It's such an ominous title. I love it. It is. And um, I think I heard it, like, and I know it comes from there. Uh, I don't know which one comes from what, but um, shoot, the Paul Tremblay book, uh, Head Full of Ghosts, mm-hmm. um, the the Possessed Sister says something like that at one point i'm not sure which came first uh i'll have to revisit that one she says a lot of things and i know her her tutor is names yeah her tutor is Stephen Stephen Graham Graham Jones. 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 yeah, yeah. They, they emphasize that very much <laughs> yeah because i was listening to the audiobook of it and um it was like a few years ago before i even I knew he was an author, but the the narrator's like Stephen Graham Jones, Stephen Graham Jones, Stephen Graham Jones. Like, like what a weird. I had to say it like that. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so what? One way to recommend books. My final pick is "And Her Smile Will Untether the Universe" by Gwendolyn Keist. This is one of my favorite short story collections. Um, it's. Uh, how to describe the atmosphere of these stories is like kind of like this glittering beauty over like a horrible darkness. Yeah, that's how I'll go with it. Um, (laughs) Because it's just like, there's so there's just this, there's just this intense feminine energy to them. And there's, there's so much beauty to them, but there's also just this, like horrible body horror or just like, you know, monstrous things on the perimeter of, or, or just, or just this expectation, like this constant, like expectation of what you're supposed to do as a girl, what you're supposed to do as a woman and just the horror of that. And, but just taken to the, the, the nth degree um, where it's like, well, you gave birth to birds and now you have to deal with it. Um, we'll, we'll be back here. Um, like the, the government will be keeping an eye on this. You don't have any control of your life. 
I don't even remember what that was the first story, but I can't remember the the title of this that story because it wasn't one of the ones I jotted down to. Uh, it's um, something borrowed, something blue. Is that story? So I'm going to go over my three at this point anyway. Um, one of the stories I love is the man in the ambry. It's an epistolary story of these letters written by a little girl, t- essentially to the monster in her closet. Um, it talks like it's she's not really scared of him. She just talks about like, I hear you in there. And like at first, it's just very innocent because it is starting with when she's a small child. But it gets it gets progressively darker as she's getting older and experiencing more of the world. And she's just talking about like, you know, where she, who she's dating, where she's going to go to college, that she's supposed to get married. And it's just kind of like, you know, she when she's coming home from college, she's writing these letters again. And she's just kind of this desperation. And it's clear that something is there because she finds things from him and hears continues to hear thing hear things in the wall and even her parents are like yeah we can't seem to get these mice exterminated and she's just like it's not mice but it's you know it's like they think you're a mouse and i know you're not a mouse and it's just a very engaging interesting story and i i I thought it was very lovely in a hard in a horrific way also (laughs) but um, I think maybe that's another way to describe the stories in this collection. Another story I loved is Skin Like Honey and Lace. It's about this group of women who um, it's never really clear what they are. And that's kind of my favorite kind of monster is where it's not like, well, what should they be? Like, well, I guess we can have a vampire or, you know, a, you know, gill man or, or whatever. It's like, no, it's not really clear what they are. But you know what they do and what they need. They need to like peel layers of skin off of people because they don't have their own skin. Um, and they're all like uh, the the narrator. Uh, her her girlfriend is kind of the leader, but they break up, and then she meets this other woman and just feels a genuine connection with her. But they still have to kind of peel the skin off of sleeping people so that they can kind of keep going. And it's just this, um, it's tragic, but it's, it's, it's so uh, immersive and interesting. And you just want to know more about them, but you can only know as much as the story gives. Um, and then another one I loved is, um, and her, the title story and her smile will untether the universe. I wouldn't have known, um, what this story was about probably if I didn't like, you know, follow Gwendolyn on Twitter um, because it's very, it just talks about a woman who's like, she was in this movie and like, she was acting like this in the movie and like, she was only in these and um, this kind of this obsession with this actress who was murdered. And I wouldn't have known. I mean, it's, it's implied that it's Sharon Tate. Um, I wouldn't have thought of that if I didn't follow Gwendolyn on, on Twitter, but it's just, it's very beautiful story. It's very interesting. It's, it's this sense of just kind of like missing someone who died before you were born and that you wouldn't have met anyway, but just like, just kind of feeling this loss after the fact anyway. And like, just that, those little, uh, what would you call them? Like those, there's those frayed, those frayed ends of humanity still catch on to us. 
um, mm -hmm. even if we're that far apart in space and time. That's fascinating. Um, so it's just, it's a beautiful collection. Um, so it's, that's And Her Smile Will Untether the Universe by Gwendolyn Keist. Nice. It's another one I own. <laughs> I need to get I'm to like her. that too. I'm like that too. Cause like, like I had this for a while, I had it for a while and I hadn't read it and I hadn't read it. And then my friend Lisa Quigley was like, you have to read this. And I was like, okay. And so I like this, it's like one of the best. And it's like, I jump in, she never steers me wrong. And there's another, a cathedral of a cathedral of myth and bone by Kat Howard. That's on my shelf, but I like physically on my shelf. And she's <laughs> like, that's so great. You have to read it. And I'm like, I know I'm going to get there. I know. Yeah, listen, it's tough. There's like new releases coming out all the time. You got to like support people. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst part. It's like, it's like, you know, it's good. You just got to freaking open it. But it's like, you've got so much, there's so much to read. Like, that's the thing. Like, we're talking about all these collections. There's a bunch more on my shelves I could get into. Like, I just read last yeah. year, like, After the People Lights um, Have Gone Off by Stephen yeah. Graham Jones. And like one of my new favorites that I just like, I'm so late to the party on it, but I just read it in December, um, Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. Like that's now one of my favorite short story collections. And just like, you could just keep going. There's so many good ones. There's so many. There is. Like I love North American Lake Monsters. That has like its Hulu series. So I think people know about it. <laughs> so that's a funny thing. Like I don't, I haven't been able to read it yet and I don't want to watch the show until yeah. I've read the book. So I'm like, now I'm just sitting on both of them. <laughs> I'm like that with so many things. All right. Uh, ready to do some chilling obsessions. Okay. So what have you been enjoying in horror? I just had read um, Come Closer by Sarah Gran. Um, I had, I'd got the audiobook and that creeped the hell out of me. Um, oh, yeah. It, like, I hate when stuff gets me when I don't mean for it to. Like, when I'm listening to something, I want it to creep me out or reading it or whatever or watching it. Um, but, like, okay, so one of the things in that book is that one of the early signs that a demon is trying to possess you is that you hear this tapping. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I listened to the book and it was creepy. It was good. And then, like, I didn't really think about it much uh, in the evening. I wake up early the next morning, like four in the morning, and I'm, my brain, like, I wasn't dreaming about it, but my brain is suddenly like, hey, remember that creepy book you read yesterday? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And then I hear tap tapping on, like, somewhere. <sighs> we live in an apartment, and I said that to myself, like, five times at that point, and I was just like, we live in an apartment, you don't believe in demons. Um, so did she, though. I don't need that right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I was just like, okay, we live in an apartment. We're used to hearing other noises around. And it did end up just being my wife out in the um, out in the living room. But still, I was just like, for a moment, you know, and it's just like, uh, and it's like I made myself get up and, and just like, okay, sees nothing. Just like, but I'm just like, damn it! I haven't had something get me after the fact like that in a while. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a that's a scary story. It is a scary. Oh, it's so insidious because it's just like which which things are just intrusive thoughts and which yeah. thing or impulses and which things are the demon. 
Yeah. And this new Books in the Freezer tradition. Haley, what is your final girl song? My final girl song is the Dismemberment song by Blue Kid. Everyone should listen to it. It's very like it's a very fun, bouncy piano song about um, how much the singer wants to uh, is going to be cutting you apart. That was like my like most listened to song last year. It it was it was it's cathartic. It's 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 good stuff. <laughs> I'm at um, www.haleypiper.com and I'm at on Twitter Haley Piper says and on Instagram on I'm at Haley Piper fights awesome well I suggest everyone check you out online and check out all your stuff coming out this year and that's already out. Yeah, I've got uh, T-Pong, as Laurel Hightower has called it, The Possession of Nally Glasgow. Um, Benny Rose, The Cannibal King, came out January 2020. And The Worm and His Kings just came out in November. Yay, I should be getting that in the mail this week. Yay. <laughs> so I'm excited to dig into that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is delightful. Yes, this was so much fun. Thank you again. Thank you. (laughs) Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer. If you would like to support the podcast, one way to do that is on Patreon. We are on Patreon at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. There is a one, three, and a $5 level with all kinds of perks like early episode releases, finding out what the episodes are going to be early, group chats, movie nights, bonus episodes, all kinds of stuff. So check that out if you are interested. Another way to support the podcast is to use our Amazon affiliate link that will be in the show notes and you just do your normal shopping that you would normally do on Amazon. You just click our link to get there first and then you don't have to do anything else. Just shop like you normally would. Looks like there's been a lot of interesting purchases using the affiliate link. Looks like someone bought Freaky and Host on Blu-ray as well as some green scrubs that look very comfortable. So thank you listeners who are in the medical profession. I see you and I appreciate you. And thank you for using the link. Um, So again, that link is in the show notes if you want to use that and support the podcast that way. But you don't have to spend any money at all to support the podcast. Word of mouth is huge to small podcasts like this to help us grow. And a big thing to help towards that would be to rate and review the podcast. Just a one sentence review, hopefully a five star rating. But again, you live your life. I don't tell you what to do. And uh, that just really helps the podcast grow. It helps us get in the charts and get more eyes on us, which is good. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And I am on Instagram at that's what she read. And that's that's with two A's. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 